Hello, welcome to Witch Tog's Bagpipe and History Podcast. Uh, we started off with an O'Farrell tune on my low whistle, so not a historic instrument, but we'll say it's uh, close enough kin to the German flute. One of these days, I could get a German flute. Although, I've never been able to do one of those um, blowy things. Um, so, we'll see how that works. Maybe we should get a fife first. Anyway, so that's Robin Powers Fancy out of uh, O'Farrell's Pocket Companion. This podcast, we're going to uh, bookend with O'Farrell tunes. Uh, we're going to have two Angus Mackay and two Donald MacDonald tunes uh, in between uh, these O'Farrell tunes. So, we're going to have Robin Powers Fancy, and then I think we're going to go to Donald MacDonald's My Wooer Be Mary. I keep on wanting to say My Wooer Be Wary, but it's My Wooer Be Mary. Uh, and then go to Angus Mackay's rendition of Sir J.M. Mackenzie's Reel. And then back to Donald Mackay with Earl... Earl Marsicle. I keep on not quite knowing how to pronounce this. Earl... Earl Mariscal. Earl Mariscal. Earl M-A-R-I-S-C-H-A-L. Anyway, another Reel from... Um, from Donald MacDonald, and then we'll finish off the Highland Pike tunes with the Hills of um, Hills of Glenorchy from Angus Mackay, uh, which is not a real, I think it's a march. Ah, I can't quite remember what type each of these tunes are, and then we'll finish off with um, uh, myself on Whistle and Ellen Pipes doing uh, The Humors of Last Night, which is just a four-part, well, not just, it's the four-part version of the pretty common um, session tune, Merrily Kiss the Quaker's Daughter or Wife or Merrily Kiss the Quaker. Uh, anyway, pretty common tune. I was having a hard time figuring out why it sounded so familiar, and so finally looked it up. Um, that's what it is. Uh, so those are the tunes we're going to play. Uh, this is an interesting episode. For a while, I made the mistake of having themes, and now I feel like I need to have a theme every time. But uh, yeah, when I, I first sat down to record this, uh, because of, by the nature of having a house, so we're recording in the new space, which is why it's so cavernous behind me. Um, but by nature of having a house, I've been able to practice way more and play way more. And I wound up with eight tracks um, to, to go <laughs> for this uh, podcast. And uh, didn't really have a theme per se, uh, but I had but I had too many, and then kind of as I sat down to do it, I, I cut some things out because I saw how they might go together well. And uh, this week I spent a lot of time digging through the National Library of Scotland's uh, archives, the stuff that's available online. And uh, I'm going to try in the future to kind of pair tunes together with different versions of themselves to sort of see how they evolve over time with the different printings. Uh, and it's it's been interesting to see certain tunes that I'd I'd never heard of, and then you looking at uh, looking at James Oswald's collection. Oswald was he had some official appointment from King George the second, maybe the th no, it was the second. Yeah, second. I should be better at knowing this. Um, but Oswald was uh, an important musician for King King <coughs> George II, but uh, wrote these huge collections of Scottish um, Scottish tunes. And it's been interesting seeing Oswald's versions of tunes that show up in O'Farrell or show up in Mackay and, uh, or show up in Donald MacDonald and realizing like how long lasting some of these tunes were. So uh, last week we played uh, The Bride Has a Bonnie Thing, and that's another tune that shows up in Oswald. So just realizing that, you know, Mackay published in 1841, I think, 
and that Oswald collection was, I mean, he died in 1769 and started publishing in the 1740s, I think. I'm not sure which uh, volume it came out or, or when it was published per se, but that's a really long lasting tune. Um, and it's a good tune. I really like that tune. Uh, I tried to whip it up real quick <laughs> for the podcast here, but it is. Uh, Oswald's versions tend to be longer than um, the Mackay, McDonald, and O'Farrell's uh, settings. So um, just didn't have time to really crack that out. So we'll see. We'll, we'll play that, revisit it later. I'm still planning to do, uh, at some point, a, uh, episodes that are just all of one um, collection at a time that'll just be the audio uh, and see if we, if we can hear a difference. I'm noticing already by playing more Angus Mackay stuff and then playing the Donald McDonald stuff, like they were published about 20 years apart, so time changes, but they are also educated in different schools. So I think Angus Mackay, uh, whether this is true or not, because I gather he's a bit of a, um, had a little bit of creative license or was definitely a part of the kind of Victorian romanticization stuff that was going on. But I think Mackay is, is trained by people who were trained by McCrimmons or is trained kind of in the McCrimmon school. Could be wrong about that. Donald MacDonald is, was um, taught by MacArthur's. So both kind of sky schools of piping, um, but the MacArthur's were the pipers for the MacDonald's of Sleet and the McCrimmons were the Pipers from the McClouds at Dunvegan. So I don't know. Um, the biography showed up uh, about Donald MacDonald in the mail from uh, the Peabrook Society, and just reading the first page has already been awesome. Um, so as I have more time uh, once we finish this move and get some schoolwork done, I hope to be able to dig into that a little bit more, and I'll be talking more about it. Anyway, so realizing that uh, that was my first bit of insight was that Donald MacDonald was instructed by MacArthur Pipers, uh, probably in Edinburgh, not on Sky, but still um, in that MacArthur school. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember reading Mackay claimed to have been taught by McCrimmon. So uh, just already kind of hearing a difference. It might be 20 years that backpiping had changed, but um, I kind of, I think you can start to hear stylistic differences. So um, of course, like if I chose specific tunes or if I find tunes that uh, they both wrote, that'll be a little bit more on the nose illuminating. But for now, we're just going to kind of bounce back and forth and see uh, if you can pick up any stylistic things or if that works for you. So we'll start with uh, Donald McDonald's My Wooer Be Merry here on Highland Pipes. So that is, uh, once again, my wooer 
be Mary from uh, McDonald. Uh, let's just jump right into the Mackay reel. This is Sir J.M. McKenzie's reel. And uh, give it a listen. big theory that um, that with Mackay's settings you could hear a lot more up and down kind of stuff that the but the the next tune <laughs> the next tune is a McDonald tune and it does the same thing so I don't know man um, I don't know folks don't know at all the uh, I also feel stupid I know I'm reinventing the wheel here um, I've been Asking a listener and buddy Ike, who's currently reading through John Gibson's book about uh, Nova Scotia piping, I've been asking him, like, hey, what is, is it? Doesn't he say Mackay is the sky piper? Uh, I know I just need to reread that stuff. Foolishly, I thought that by making this podcast more about history, it would force me to read the things that I have read and forgotten in order to put them down on, uh, on, on wax, as it were, so I could revisit it and not have to have this kind of meandering question. It's weird. For most of my professional bagpiping career, um, it's been historical based of like interpreting and tunes to me were more useful for what kind of stories I could tell about um, figures from the past than understanding the music differences, if that makes sense. Uh, Apart from, you know, broad strokes like this is a Pbrock. Just never really focus too close in to people's styles and things. So I don't know, need to, uh, need to reread things now that I'm not giving, um, music programs several times a week that are about like playing a bagpipe tune and connecting it to a fur trade person or an Ojibwe person. Um, it's a different, different kettle of fish is what it feels like. Um, yeah. So Hayden White, as uh, a historian and kind of theorist from UC Santa Cruz and maybe one of my favorite kind of theoretical historians. But he talks about how one of his works talks about how every time you read a thing, it's different. And uh, we just have to accept that. <laughs> and as authors, you're, uh, you have to accept that when people read it, they're going to get different things. And even if you read the same sentence, you know, twice in a row, you're going to get different things from it. So I read John Gibson's Highland, uh, the, the first book, um, the Highland Gaelic, Gaelic Bagpiping. I can't quite remember what it's called. Uh, loved it. Took a lot of things out of it that I, you know, used. But 
I'm sure re-reading it now with these new questions would be illuminating. But uh, the reality is that this is supposed to be a hobby that isn't, as much as I joke, isn't actually supposed to stop me from doing my dissertation. So I don't know. We'll see what's going to happen now that I have ample practice space. Um, <laughs> this might become a lot. Just me playing tunes, uh, some historic tunes, and enjoy them kind of thing. Uh, I had a lot of fun this week. Uh, trying out things with my cane drones. I think on the next, not on the next track. I, maybe we don't have any uh, tracks on this um, this episode where my tenor drone starts going. It starts doing that undertoning thing, like when you're striking in. Uh, and I reached out to a friend of mine, Steve, who used to play with cane um, for you know decades. And uh, he's told me before about some of his tips and tricks and tried them. And holy buckets, did they work! Uh, the tenor drone that was being problematic, uh, I put I, I put all of my drone reeds in the refrigerator, which is not a thing I would have thought was the problem. Uh, I've always been such a wet, like blowing so much humidity and moisture into the bag that uh, I just never would have thought that the problem is that they're too warm and dry. So Steve's recommendation was that Back in the 70s and things, uh, and 60s, what they do is fill up a mayonnaise jar with water, dump it out, and then pop the reeds into the jar and throw them in the fridge. And then when you go back to play the next day, they would sound better. And they, you know, that would like kind of make them stable and, and keep them going. And holy cow, was that true? Like I, I assumed that the problems were pressure and I needed a harder reed, so I've ordered a harder reed. Um, but you know, my channel read has sort of warmed up to me. It's no longer doing the thing where it, it doesn't play the high A that I want it to without squeezing extra hard. Um, and so this tenor drone being a problem was, was really throwing me for a loop. So I tried kind of reseeding it. He said that might be the issue Steve did. Uh, it was really great, man. When you talk to pipers that have decades of experience and you just kind of vaguely describe your problem. And it's like, and I'm a piper with decades of experience, but I guess Steve is a piper with far more decades of experience. But... Uh, just telling him, like, hey, my drone is doing this thing where it sounds like it's striking in, like it doesn't have enough pressure, so I think I just have to worry about my my pressure and being more stable. And Steve very kindly said, it's probably not that you're unstable, given that you've been piping for this long. Make sure the reed is seated well, because uh, that might be causing it. And sure enough, the reed was a little bit loose. Um, and then he also mentioned some other things that I've been too scared to do about exacto knives and um, kind of recutting the cane. But uh, but yeah, the the trick worked. I used the trick first to like strengthen up the tongue by bending it open a little bit, and that stayed that kept it working. But eventually, that it shut down again. Uh, and so just yeah, threw it in the <laughs> threw it in the refrigerator, and the next day it came back, and it's it felt like they all sounded better. Um, listening back to the recordings closely, I don't know that the tone had actually improved, but the reed was definitely far more stable. Uh, I threw a reed in that I hadn't used in a year, um, a year maybe, uh, and I'm not sure if that reed ever actually died or if I had just taken it out and replaced it with a um, you know, synthetic reed because I had a gig. But uh, I took a reed from a cold case and included it in the, the refrigeration and the first day of refrigeration, it sounded great for about a half hour, and then it shut down. Uh, and then I put it back in the fridge after that session. And today, when I went to play it, it never shut down. So uh, it, that works, man. If you're playing with cane, <laughs> it's a good trick. Just kind of 
fill up a, I'm just using a coffee cup, but fill up a coffee cup with water, dump it out. So there's a little, you wind up with a little bit of humidity and droplets in there, put your cane reeds in and toss them in the fridge. Uh, Steve also said that if you don't have a refrigerator close at hand, just holding the reeds in your mouth for a couple of minutes uh, without chewing, he pointed out, uh, sort of does the same thing. Anyway, uh, let's move on to uh, another kind of duo of Donald McDonald and Angus McKintain. So this one is the Earl Marsichal or Marsicle reel from Donald McDonald. <laughs> Tune. All these reels are really easy to sight read. Um, well, fairly easy to sight read and just kind of knock them out pretty quick. I'm finding that I need to stop and, well, A, I need to stop and do other things. Uh, the other, like the recording session where half of these tunes came from, I just, I played Highland Pipes for an hour and then I played Dylan Pipes for an hour all while it was prime daylight moving time. Uh, so really should have been moving, but I tell you, just having a recording, well, a practice space, a home is awesome. Very awesome. Um, all right, let's uh, finish off the Highland Pipe stuff. Uh, this is the Angus Mackay tune, The Hills of Glenorchy, is it? Let me open up the track. Yeah, Hills of Glenorchy by Angus Mackay. So yeah, this is more of a march as opposed to these reels. Um, good stuff, though. Real good tune. I kind of think this one might be around. I feel like I've heard it before. Um, yeah. Anyway, enjoy. Hills of Glenorchy.
Well, that may have been another example of why I need to take a music theory class. So um, all those other tunes were reels um, and cut time. Hmm? Cut time, right? Um, Hills of Glenorchy is in 6-8. All the jigs are in 6-8, but then there's 6-8 marches. So uh, how do you tell the difference between a 6-8 jig and a 6-8 march in Highland Pipes? I mean, like, I know the difference, uh, but I don't, too. I was just sitting here trying to play Cock of the North, like, as a jig. The... So if it's... I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, really should have uh, stuck with some proper tutelage for the basics. Uh, anyway, so I'm not sure if the Hills of Glenorchy is a jig or a march. I'm pretty sure it's a jig, though, just looking at it um, and kind of listening to it. As soon as I said, all right, this is kind of a march thing, and hit play on that track, uh, I started to think that's not right, and I <laughs> went and, and dug out the music. Um, anyway, so still a, a cracking crackin good tune. Quite fond of it. Um, yeah, so lots of Highland piping uh, getting done in the new place. And... This episode, I was hoping to do kind of a Pride episode, because it's June, month of month of Pride, and uh, my dissertation is explicitly about, uh, you know, Two-Spirit stuff and LGBT stuff, and I wanted to have a discussion of that and bagpiping, and I just had a hard time finding anything, especially in, like, the era that I'm more concerned with. Uh, I had the... So I was thinking about talking about Orkney, because there's... Um, kind of a, well, sort of famous, I'm realizing less famous than I thought, a uh, person from Orkney that I'm going to write about in my dissertation as, like, and kind of just consider the possibility that she's um, trans and not that the way that they're always discussed is as kind of a woman that dresses a man to follow her lover into the wilds of Canada, um, but there's no actual, like, evidence to support that other than kind of romanticization years later. Uh, she named the father of her child and like he never acknowledged that and didn't do anything for her so it, it seems more likely that that wasn't a consensual or it seems at least possible um that it wasn't a consensual consensual relationship um and has a little bit more complicated history than a romance uh, of oh she just loved jonathan scarth so much um Anyway, I was going to do that, and it, it kind of worked out. Today is supposed to be Pride in Kirkwall. It was going to be, the, I think it's the first Pride on the Orkney Islands was supposed to happen, but they've canceled it because of coronavirus. And I have this whole episode of Orkney tunes, and so I was like, oh, this kind of works, and sent a message to the uh, Kirkwall Pride folks, seeing if they were interested in having an amateur bagpipe historian contribute to something, and they didn't respond. So I was like, all right, I'll, uh, I'll maybe not throw my hat in the ring there with a big old um pride episode um but yeah if anybody knows like some interesting queer history of bagpiping send me a message i'd love to hear about it um and yeah love to love to know more about that stuff the the thing i have gathered from like my little bit of research on uh kind of queer like the queer atlantic i was calling it but just the the way like how lgbt uh, folks and two-spirit folks all over, uh, you know, the Atlantic Basin and all over the world. There's a hell of a lot more, hell of a lot more of of them in the past than uh, you know, straight folks like myself tend to think. Uh, since starting to do a dissertation topic and research on 
you know, a two-spirit person or, uh, which is essentially an umbrella term for indigenous uh, LGBT folks, although people, it means different things to, to different indigenous people, but uh, that's kind of the, the shortest explanation. But from just starting that period, or starting research into two-spirit stuff, I'm shocked always at how many um, people I encounter that assume that, you know, like that somehow gayness didn't exist until Stonewall um, and like just erase that, you know, Stonewall starts as a riot by, um, you know, black trans folks that are really doing some hard, important work. And I don't know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been interesting. So I'm kind of bummed that I couldn't find any cool um, queer history for bagpiping in the 18th and 19th centuries. So, so I'll keep on, keep on looking around. Uh, speaking of riots, <laughs> the it's kind of bizarre in Iowa City where I'm recording this. Uh, essentially, like it's it's worked. It's been successful. The protests have mostly stopped because the city council has agreed to all of the quite reasonable demands about like demilitarizing the police, giving uh, cutting their budget a bit in order to invest in other infrastructure and social programs that we know actually help communities and reduce crime more than having um, armored police walking around. Uh, the governor has even promised to sign a petition or an executive order that would restore um, voting rights to felons because that's been a, it's a big problem in the United States that uh, basically, as soon as, uh, well, yeah, as soon as black men were enfranchised where they could have a vote, um, basically, as soon as they were given, as as soon as they earned and kind of fought and won the vote, uh, white folks and power structures have been trying to deny them that vote. And so the way that that works is over-policing and making uh, black people into felons, and then they lose their vote. But many states have been kind of restoring and making a path towards restoration of those voting rights. And so our governor in Iowa has promised to do that um, and said she's going to sign an executive order doing that, but she is dragging her feet. And it sure seems like she's dragging her feet intentionally. So if she restores the voting rights to all these felons, they won't be able to vote in this upcoming election. So it would be kind of do it so it's so late that they have to like sure you're getting your votes back but not in a way that's actually gonna uh, affect change uh, which is a bummer and so the des moines uh, black lives matter have been very active so i'll include a link in the show description if you are willing and interested to donate to um, some good bail funds for des moines folks the police in des moines have been pretty pretty brutal they raided i mean it, you know speaking of stonewall the like the various gay nightclubs have been kind of imperative and helpful in organizing and and providing shelter for protesters during these things and early in the protests here the police raided a gay nightclub in des moines or in, um yeah in des moines that had been like offering water and medical aid to protesters which is just like yeah it's just gross we're making progress over here but it is uh we're still a long way to go so like I said, I'll leave a link in the description for the Eastern Iowa Bail Fund and maybe some more Des Moines-specific ones. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's go out with uh, Humors of Last Night. Is that what I said it's called? Really old name? Yeah, Humors of Last Night. So this is O'Farrell's setting. Um, O'Farrell's setting for this tune. 
Uh, and like I said, it's very, it's just, it's the four part version of Merrily Kiss the Quaker or Mary Kiss the Quaker's wife or Merrily Kiss the Quaker's daughter. Uh, various forms of that tune. Uh, I tried to do the double recording thing of me once on low whistle and once on Ellen Pipes. I'm not sure that I'm crazy about it. Um, but anyway, here's the tune. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, share it around. Share this uh, share this whole podcast thing around with your friends that are interested in bagpipes and history. I'm kind of curious how many people listen to this thing are bagpipers versus are just my friends and family and uh, folks of that sort. But uh I don't know. Shoot me an email at waytotwag at gmail.com spelled just like it is in whatever podcast listener you are using. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening uh, to this mixture of tunes and hope you have a good, safe weekend and week. <laughs>